Welcome to Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan, a podcast where two friends catch up and talk about whatever nerdy stuff comes to mind, usually over hookah. Enjoy. All right, we are doing it. It is snowing here in the great state of Virginia, um, which means that at any given moment, the world will come to an end here because the, we just can't handle it, apparently. Um, but it's not as wet as the snow was the other week, so I don't know if we're going to lose power. I don't think we will. I think we'll be okay. But it's been wild. Glenn Youngkin is officially um, governor. He, yeah. he started that whole thing, uh, I guess, yesterday. He's, he's made <laughs> some great things. Some executive orders have come out banning critical race theory and nice all that good stuff i'm like cool cool yeah you know you would think you would want to know what something is before you ban it you would think so you would think so apparently not man (laughs) it's a it's a common thing on the right listeners like we here at hookah chats like to make fun of the right i like to make fun of the right in particular and matt does as well matt's just a little kinder than i am in this regard (laughs) um but it's a commonality of at least modern uh, political being political conservatism to just kind of you know just kind of be like eh, I don't really know what this is but it doesn't really matter that I don't know what it is because it's what it is is irrelevant you know we're, it's just a thing that we're using to win and it's a common thing uh, in, in sort of all forms of conservatism right now because that's the, the sort of uh, primary MO of the conservatives in the Methodist Church as well and Joe and I'll talk about this a lot sometimes where like the what, what's the primary thing conservatives want? Well, we just we just want to get rid of gay people. Oh, OK. But they well, can't come out. They don't have the balls to come out and say that, though. That's the they problem. don't have the balls to come out and say that. But like the what they end up saying, it, it just even even demonstrates that they're not even entirely sure what it means to be gay. Like like they're not even they're not even 100 percent sure what the hell's going on with that. Right. Because like. What about trans people? Oh, trans people for sure. Okay, well, yeah. some trans people do not look trans. Well, those people are fine. What the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> well, the thing I find most amusing about it is the 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 way that they they sort of justify their actions by saying, "Well, we don't want we don't want homosexuals because you know that's they're they're pedophiles." It's like they're pedophiles. What? Where? Where did you? Number one, where did you get that? And number two. Like, I don't want pedophiles either. Like, we're not talking about pedophiles, you know? <laughs> right, right. Pedophilia is still not allowed. It's yeah. not going to be allowed. You yeah, know, we're, like, like, we're not we're not advocating for pedophilia. We're, <laughs> we're advocating for, like, grown adults making their own decisions with their own lives and doing what they choose to do in a free country, and it's what's supposed to be a free society. That's what we're advocating for, not, um, you know, pedophilia or bestiality or any of these other mythical monsters that they come up with right right <laughs> and like don't even get me started on bisexuality the church doesn't even know what to do with that and that's kind yeah. of what i mean right like the uh what is critical race theory i don't know but i want to get rid of it okay yeah. well then what are you going to ban well we should probably start with banning anything black is that the plan like, like we just, <laughs> anybody who's black we don't listen to like like what are you talking about or um we got to ban all gay people. What about what about bisexual people who are in heteronormative relationships? Well, I'm like, you have no idea. You don't even know what you're doing. You, you can't. <laughs> what do you do? Are you gay? What are they going to say? 
I don't know. What the fuck are you talking about? Like, like I, ah, oh, man. Well, the, the, the hypocrisy of it all is so apparent, you know, and it's, it's, it smacks in the face, like any legitimate possible argument that they could have, you know, they'll, they'll say, they'll say that they're, they're the party of freedom or they're the party of, you know, America. They're the ones running around waving the flag and, and, but like they, they fundamentally misrepresent and misunderstand the, the ideals that made this country what it is, right? So they're, they're, they're incredibly hypocritical. Whenever it, somebody says, you know, they, they, they want to control what another person does with their body or with their, with their sexuality or whatever, you're fundamentally being un-American, right? But, mm-hmm. but you're trumpeting yourself as like the pinnacle of patriotism and and it's it's just it's fundamentally like opposed it's fundamentally hypocritical and it drives me nuts and for a group of people that that uh likes to view themselves as like the tough guys the the uh the ones that can that can take care of themselves and they don't need anybody else yet they sure have fragile eagle egos you know like Mm -hmm. (laughs) like they 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 yell at people on the left and call us snowflakes and this that and the other thing and nobody is as easily butthurt as like a hardcore republican <laughs> you know it kind of it kind of it kind of amuses me how like weak a lot of these tough guys are <laughs> how oh, how, yeah. how easily they can be upset and offended by things that just don't even matter <laughs> right yeah yeah well, and it's it's two it's just different ways of understanding what it means to be tough or strong, right? Like, yeah. there's a, a, which is my whole thing, which I find I, I, I routinely find um, dumb and and silly and banal, like on the right, you know. Um, what does it mean to be tough? Well, what it I, uh, on for the right, a lot of it is it, it means that you're performing toughness. It doesn't have anything right. to do with integrity or or the ability to withstand punishment or the ability to keep your cool or the ability like none of that matters it's a performative thing right alex jones performs toughness right those are the guys those are the guys that are wearing the cowboy boots and the cowboy stetson cowboy hats and they're like yes i'm going back to the american ideal of ruggedness it's like motherfucker if you were a cowboy first of all do you understand what cowboys did most of them were mexican by the way um (laughs) and they they worked for no money and they almost died every day and it fucking sucked ass like nobody that wanted to be a cowboy or nobody wanted to be a cowboy you know like they they did it because they didn't have anything else to do or they were outlaws or whatever you know like nobody like Said, I'm gonna, I want to be a cowboy today, but we've mythologized this with these, right. with these like movies from the 40s and 50s, and now everybody seems to think like that's the picture of toughness. It would have fucking sucked. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> it was terrible. I mean, what what we always hear this, right? Well, I guess we don't always hear this, but we we hear often this cycle. This is a, a famous talking point on first among some circles on the internet, anyway. The cycle is, you know, you've got this generation of people who are legitimately tough, the legitimately tough, good generation, you know, and they, they work hard and they create a better world for their kids, but then their kids, unfortunately grow up in this easy peasy world. And then they're not tough. And, and then eventually a new generation has to come around guys. What what you're misunderstanding entirely um, is 
the the legitimately tough generation really hated their lives like, like they, did not, <laughs> they didn't enjoy it like, like this is this is why they bequeathed a better world <laughs> to their children and then their children like fuck it up and then we all have to do it again like like oh my god and and you know i will say this like don't listeners the the 10 of you who listen you you already know this do not allow a baby boomer to tell you that they are tough I don't think I've met a tough baby boomer. Like, like I have met, I have met whiny bitches who, who complain that the world isn't great anymore and then want nothing to do with it. And they, but they can't tell you what, what it was that was great to begin with. They right. just know it wasn't great. Well, we only look back on, you know, the positive memories, right? We, we tend to forget about the negative stuff. You know, they think about how great the 50s were and they completely ignore the fact that like racism was totally rampant and like, mm. you know, beating your wife was totally cool. And like, <laughs> like there's a whole bunch of shit in yeah. the 50s that was terrible. Like, you know, the threat of nuclear annihilation that everybody was terrified about, like all that stuff gets ignored because they remember like the, the, the driving with the with the uh sundays you know right <laughs> like, right and the, yeah. and the remember and the when gas up. was a nickel like, yeah remember oh, when yeah. gas was a nickel yeah and remember whenever your car got about four miles to a gallon <laughs> forget the fact that we were totally destroying the planet at that time you know let's <laughs> let's ignore that little bit nugget of like terror but uh you know it was really great back then yeah it was great before you ruined it for everyone <laughs> that's right that's right you know you know you never heard about black people on the news in the 50s yeah. well i uh, <laughs> yes well there wasn't a lot of coverage uh, you know until there was until there was a lot of coverage until they were walking across a bridge at selma and getting like attacked with dogs right, right. Oh my God. So your computer is fixed. My computer is fixed. So what happened? Well, it's, it's just kind of miracled itself back to life because oh, good. what happened was my daughter um, has a, a backpack from school and she comes home and she's got like this little water bottle, water bottle in it. Now why it's necessary for my daughter in first grade in like a first world country to walk around with her backpack from first grade elementary school with a water bottle in it like she's going to be stuck in the Donner Pass I don't know <laughs> but she did and apparently they haven't taught first graders how to secure the lids on those so whenever uh, she came home set it on top of the table my my laptop was folded up mm -hmm. and it drained out and soaked my computer. So we thought that the computer was screwed. I was getting like the blue screen of death. And I was like, oh man. And then my wife took it to uh, her brothers to see if she could get it fixed. Cause her brother, her brother-in-law has some uh, experience repairing computers. And basically it had just dried out by that time. And it started working. again. It working. So, <laughs> so it's working again. We're here. <laughs> The fountains are not working at the school because of COVID protocol. Oh, is that why oh, she needs the water? First okay. world country where we can't provide water to our students. 
Well, we live in a first world country where we can't provide tests to like people during a pandemic. <laughs> yeah. So like that wouldn't shock me either. Yeah. You know, yeah. country I think water, in the world. <laughs> water fountains are pretty far down on the fucking list of things we can't get right. <laughs> right. Like, oh my God. You know. Well, I'm glad that the that the computer is working. I'm glad that it is resurrected and back. Yeah, we're back now, and that's for that reason is why we're recording this on a Sunday. We normally do this like on a Wednesday or Thursday, yeah. but wait, we are recording on a Sunday, and it was, it was the night after um, Hellbent had a big show last night. It was great. There was oh, like three three hundred and twenty people. I Holy think. shit! That's they, awesome. It was awesome. We played with another local band called DTK, short for mm-hmm. Dressed to Kill. They're mm-hmm. like they're like the the main popular band around here like everybody knows them they've been doing this for like 15 years they have some incredible musicians they're very generous to us and like they wanted to put together this event um it's a new year so like they wanted to give us a boost they like what we do and you know we appreciated playing with them and got a huge crowd had an excellent show the second song of our set because we started at nine um, we were to play nine to 11 and then DTK was going to play 1130 to 130. And, uh, the second song of our set, I was doing like this little pogo dance. We were playing, uh, Thunder Kiss 65 yeah, by, yeah, yeah. by great, uh, White Zombie. Great track. And, great track. and I, and I was doing this little pogo thing cause, and I'm, I'm fat and out of shape and old <laughs> and, uh, the good, the, uh, bass player for DTK had allowed me to use his rig and had all of his guitars and his rig and everything sitting there. And it, he has this like guitar stand that looks like, it looks kind of like a suitcase, but it's really, really thin. Okay. Yeah. And then like when it opens up, it folds open and then it's like this L shape and inside it, it has like the, the little bars to hold each guitar. And then the, the base of the guitar sits in the bottom of it. And the, mm-hmm. and the base of that's probably, I don't know, an inch and a half, maybe two inches high off the ground. And when I'm doing this little pogo thing, I stepped on it and my, my calf just went, <laughs> oh, <laughs> I was no. like, Oh no. <laughs> right? And if, if you watch the video, there's a, there's a video of it. And uh, I don't, I didn't miss a note. And, you know, I kept playing everything was fine. I just kind of stood there all night cause I couldn't move. <laughs> right? like, oh my, man. My fucking, calf just popped but i kept going and nobody knew nobody was any the wiser and then we're getting we're getting done with the first set and uh my guitar player richie's standing next to me and i'm like hey help me off the stage he's like what i'm like help me off the stage i can't get off the fucking stage (laughs) (laughs) he had to like carry my fat ass off the stage gimped over and then we had another set to play so then we go back up and i'm screaming at the singer i'm like hey help me on the stage (laughs) like what help me on the stage And then I didn't sleep at all last night because I just laid in bed, with my leg throbbing, and oh, I, I, man. I can't walk. Like, did you, like, did you ever see the movie Pumpkinhead? Do you know the movie I'm talking about? I know Is the it, movie you're talking about, classic, but I haven't seen it. Classic horror movie, right? Pumpkinhead has uh, these these like bird legs, these like chicken legs that bend the opposite direction, right? Okay. And we always made a joke that like, if you run into a monster whose knees bend the opposite direction, you're fucked because you can't kill him. Like, there's right. no way to. To defeat them right well i was walking around this morning with my feet like pumpkin head because i can't bend my foot the other way and i was like well that theory shot me ass because you could definitely kill me right now <laughs> yeah i'm a wounded gazelle i am i am done i am done there's no one that can help me my That's wife's funny. been doing my wife's been doing all the man work 
uh, for the house today because I was supposed to yesterday go up and get like the snow blower out of the shed and bring it yeah. down and get it ready because we're supposed to get this storm right and yeah. i was like ah, i'll do it tomorrow i got a show tonight i'm not gonna go out and do all that crap now i can't move and so she's <laughs> out there doing all this stuff and she's just like motherfucker you know <laughs> did it on purpose you did it on purpose yeah. that's what my wife would look at me she'd be like you got hurt on purpose i was like oh yeah i'm hurt on purpose to ruin yeah. your life you know yeah. <laughs> that's with me yeah. Well, they were like, last night, they were like, well, why don't you go to the hospital? And I'm like, well, I'm not leaving. We got another set to play, number one. And number two, I'm going to stay for DTK set. I want to see them. And, you know, hospitals are open 24 hours a day. And all they're going to do is tell me, like, rest it, you know? So what the fuck? So (laughs) I I took one of the chairs from one of the tables that was in the back. Cause it was just fucking packed with people. Mm-hmm. And I took one of those and I like spun it around backwards and I put my leg on my knee on one, on one part of the chair. And I stood there and watched the show and had a good time and it was fine. Yeah. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Like next week, probably. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure you're good. <laughs> I'm sure a, a pop calf is easy. Yeah. The, the old human body. It responds. It's, it'll be fine. You know, copious amounts of tylenol can do wonders right you're right you're right <laughs> right right no no i think that's fair i think that's fair. Well, i don't well, have I'm... anything to do today other than like talk to you and uh well not now that my wife did all the man work getting ready for the storm um yeah, well, I, I i just get to talk to you and then wait to watch my steelers get murdered tonight so i'm sure i'm sure the steelers will be they're going to be they're going to be butchered tonight it's going to be terrible um, but you know, I was excited last week because I thought last week was going to be like the last for anybody out there that's listening. that's not aware that I'm a huge Steelers fan, but, uh, I, I like, that's my religion. Ethan has Methodism. I have the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Like, this is what I do. Yeah. <laughs> like just, everything stops it, when there's just a Steelers made it sound game. like I'm the, the, the dumbest kid in the world. <laughs> Ethan has United Methodism. Oh man. A failing no. religion. <laughs> Great. <laughs> But since 2004, the Steelers quarterback has been Ben Roethlisberger. He's one of the mm-hmm. best quarterbacks of all time. And he his contract is up and he's retiring at the end of the season. And last week, I thought was going to be the last chance that I got to see him play. And it worked out through some kind of cosmic miracle that the Steelers, who are not that good this year, made it to the playoffs. And they they made it to the playoffs based on another team like in overtime with like two seconds left kicking a field goal and defeating this other team that they could have just ran the clock out. And then both of those teams would have made the playoffs and the Steelers would have been out. But um, the, the other team was the Raiders and they decided to kick a field goal just to stick it in the Chargers eye, which was great because it gave me another game with Ben Roethlisberger. I was excited about that. And then the Raiders yesterday got defeated. (laughs) <laughs> in their first round against the Bengals who they wouldn't have played had they just ran the clock out. So, <laughs> like, um, and then the Steelers are now playing the chiefs who are probably the best team in the league and they are going to destroy the Steelers tonight. They're going to murder them, I think, but I'm just excited. I get to watch one more game with my man, big Ben. So well, I'm excited. Good. That's a good, I, I just that's won't good. be able to jump up and be excited about Right. Yeah, it'll, it'll all be inside. No, I understand I'm pretty, that. I'm pretty sure there's not going to be any jumping involved. Either, <laughs> even if my calf wasn't blown out, I'm pretty sure I'm just going to sit on the couch and like rub my fingers on my temples, like, right. oh no. 
I, I have used your love of football in as a sermon analogy in Gordon. Oh, no. And so just just as a silly story, like, yeah, you know, sometimes up where I served Pittsburgh and Penn State, those were the, the, the two big deals, you know, in terms of football. Yeah. Everybody's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I'm like, so I just need you to know, like, I have a friend who, who unfortunately told me that football was his religion, and I've just spent most of my time as his pastor just at, trying to F with him. So, like, I wouldn't <laughs> recommend saying that to me. You know, I'll ruin it. I'll, I'll make your lives hard, much harder. Um, and there everybody's like, okay. And I'm like, so, all right. Very you know, I, I bet you Jesus wishes he had the kind of like enthusiasm for his, for people following him as, as professional sports teams get, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I wish, I bet you he's like, man, if people would show up to church on Sunday, as passionate as they show up to the stadium on Sunday, this, this would be going great. <laughs> you know? Well, I mean, that's the, that's the entire model of the mega church, right? I mean, the entire model of the mega church is let's try to make this into a, into a sports game or a show. And then right. everybody gets super pumped. Right. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't Maybe, maybe Jesus feels that way. I, I try not to, I try not to judge, you yeah. know? And so like, if Jesus, if Jesus wants more sports fans, you know, yeah. and, and like a sports atmosphere, just like you know? five, five drunk guys in your like third pew with their shirts off with like a J and an E and an yeah. S all like on their chest. <laughs> I'd be like, oh, well, all righty. You know, that's, I guess that's okay. You know, no, I, I, uh, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about that. Oh, brother. Well, that's good. That's good. I, I'm sure the Steelers will, you know, either it's church, right? Church is fine. You'll you'll have a good time, you know. <laughs> like I said, tonight is bonus content, right? Like tonight right. wasn't supposed to happen. There wasn't supposed to be another game with Ben Roethlisberger in it. So I'm just privileged to be able to watch it one more time even though i think it's going to be a disaster uh yeah. but you know it's all it's all bonus content at this point so yeah great you know sure. and maybe 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 some miracle will happen and the steelers will be able to go to the whole way to the super bowl before they get murdered that'd, that'd be great knows, but... <laughs> that'd be nuts. You know, yeah they I... certainly don't deserve it this year but you know doesn't mean that i care about many less <laughs> well that's good that's that's real faith right there that's real yeah. faith and then i and i can appreciate that <laughs> that's a good thing oh brother well i have a um crazy not not necessarily crazy things are happening to me but a number of interesting things are happening to me in terms of my career yeah uh maybe we'll see um so i've got a meeting this next week on tuesday with a gentleman who is working on a book um about united methodism and empire studies and so like studies of like you know basically empire studies is you know anything that has to do with like the a, a major consolation of economics and politics and society so like the united states is an empire as far right. as anybody is concerned right, right. and um China, we could consider China an empire as well. Sure. And uh, so this gentleman is working on a book and I got connected to him through my research that I did at the Society for Christian Ethics. Um, that trip to California that was canceled, like we right. did it on virtually. And right. there was a gentleman who came in and came into my session to listen to me talk about my research. And he was like, this is really interesting. Um, I'm going to get you connected to this guy. And so I'm meeting with this guy um, to see if he... Um, 
if he likes my research enough, he's going to have me write a chapter for his book. Wow. <laughs> and, so, Great. and so we will see. I might, it might not yeah. happen. You know, like, like this is all. You like, have to not good. stuck when you yeah. need him. You know? <laughs> right, right. Um, but, uh, but like, so that's one thing that's happening on Tuesday um, where I might be getting, you know, I might be asked to write a chapter, which would be really cool. Right. And, uh, and I can talk and about that if you want. Be, but... a, be asked to receive some royalties, I'm sure. Well, at the very least, I can put it on a resume. Be right. like, yes, I have been published. Oh no, no, my friend, you, 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 you want to put it on the resume. Don't misunderstand me. But if there are royalties, you get those royalties. No, I'll get the royalties. <laughs> I like money. I like money. Um, but that's cool. Like, like I'm, I've presented research on sovereignty. Like, like in political theory, sovereignty is this really rich, you know, kind of uh, um, category for political theory. Right. And and uh, as anybody could imagine, and uh, I ended up writing about the United Methodist Church, or for my research, I ended up doing research on the United Methodist Church and the way in which they handle, they have continued to handle the pandemic as being this kind of breakdown of democracy. So like the United Methodist right. Church is, is democratic, like it, it always has been. Methodism in general has always been democratic, even from its inception. And um the way so many folks have been handling the pandemic and like the upper echelons is they've just been, they've just been sort of making decisions and they've just been saying, right. okay, this is what we'll be doing now. The problem is, is like, there's really no legal from a Methodist standpoint mechanism for them to do that. And so a lot of their, if we really wanted to, you know, bring this up to the judicial council, like a lot of the decisions that are being made are not allowed, not really, but right. we're all kind of doing it. Right. And so I ended up researching and, and presenting on what might it mean, what, what might this mean for Methodism, you know, if, if, this pan, if this pandemic requires us to sort of, or not even that it requires us, but if this pandemic leads to this kind of consolidation of autocratic power among this kind of weird group of people, you know, that, that we don't really know, that's the other thing, like, we don't really know who's making these decisions. There's no president, you know, like, like right. it's just, things are just kind of happening. And then the decisions are bad. Like the decisions are, in fact, are, are, are impacting annual conferences in ways that are unforeseen and in ways that there's really no way to appeal. And right. so I ended up writing and researching on sovereignty and, and this idea of the state of exception and how um, in political theory, um, particularly among more fascist political theory. Um, there is this this notion of the sovereign is the one who who decides on the state of exception, and so even you can be in the most democratic political situation possible, but if the barbarians are at the gates, the sovereign is the one that everybody stops and says, "What do we do?" Right. And, and then the sovereign can essentially just usurp the democratic process and, and do whatever. Right. And there's a sense, perhaps we can say, where that is maybe necessary, perhaps. But, but if it is necessary, it's a really weird thing to have with democratic processes. You know, like, like it's this kind of weird thing where we say, where, where it seems to imply that the dem that democratic process is just for show that like like that well, the real the, decision is this i think the problem is and I, I don't think it just this doesn't just apply to the methodist church i think it I agree. applies to democracy writ large but like <clears throat> democracies aren't very agile no 
right? They're, they're kind of slow paced. They're, it takes a while to get anything done, which is good. It should be, you know, considered and thought after, and it should be, it shouldn't be a, a snap of the fingers thing. Well, there's certain things like when the barbarians are at the gate where you don't have time to fuck around, you know, you got to do stuff. That's why we have things like martial law in the United States. Like we, there are times where it's like, Hey guys, this is what's up, you know? And it doesn't, it's not to, it's not to usurp democracy, which shouldn't be to usurp democracy, but it's just, it's, it's a, you know, it's an emergency declaration. It should only be done in the most dire circumstances, right? Here's the thing is a bunch of people getting a flu shot or a COVID shot, barbarians at the gates. Like, do we need to, do we need to declare martial law, whether it be in the Methodist church or the United States mm. in general, like over something like that? Like, I think it's so easy. Uh, Democracy is a fragile thing anyway, right. but it's so, it's so easy to knock people out of the democratic process it's almost frightening how easy it is to get somebody to turn to an autocratic rule because mm. like there's been plenty of bad things that have happened in our past in our, our mm. past as a, our country in our past as a as a religion there's been plenty of emergency situations that did not warrant autocratic behavior sure. that i think were as critical or even more critical than what the pandemic has been. Now I'm not mm. trying to, to downplay the pandemic and its severity. Yeah. I'm not trying yeah. to say that it's not an emergency. I'm not trying to say that it's not something that should be taken seriously. What I am saying is it's not something that should cause us to forego or forget all of our past traditions and our past practices and our way of life. Like it's not that, bad that we need to like stop being a de democratic society sure, right? sure. Mm -hmm. that that's all i'm saying and i think it's kind of scary how easy it is to like get people to do that yeah i agree with you i agree with you as far as the methodist church is concerned what, what's essentially happened you know in, in 20 seconds or less is we have these general conferences that the, the, the general conference that we should have had was in 2020. Right. And as far as the Methodist church is concerned, the general conference is the highest, it's the highest decision-making body that we have in right. the United Methodist church. Right. Um, and general conference was canceled in 2020 and it should have been, right. I totally right. get it. Um, the, the kind of, the kind of thing that I'm, writing and researching on and that I might be contributing to in this book is a sort of a reflection on what then comes after that, which is the, the book of discipline, like the rules there, there is no, there is no mechanism that we have right now that allows us to um, be nimble, <laughs> be nimble, but allows right. us to like reschedule the general conference. Right. And so like, so like the question that I pose is if the rules stay, that the general conference is the highest decision-making body in the Methodist church. What is this group of people who decides um, that general conference is canceled? Right. What is this group of people that decides when it happens again? Right. Because it seems like 
that that's actually the decision making body like right. like that that at right. the end of the day it's these kind of group of sh- of however many shadow people right. um there are and um and and i want us to reckon with that because like i'm not it's not that i'm like afraid of these people like it's not like i think oh. these people are like or like controlling our lives but like there's this there's this sort of inherent weirdness in in this decision and 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 in the end the decisions that this body is making and this is what i end up writing about the decisions this body is making have these consequences that um no delegate voted on right and and there's really not much we can do about that you know like like there's i there's we just have to listen we just have to submit um and that's once again fine it's once it's not as though nuclear war has been declared and nobody no but it's in in principle though i mean it's not it's not how things are to be done and i find it difficult in especially in this day and age that you can't that they the the powers that be that are making these decisions can't come up with alternative decisions or alternative plans to which they can incorporate some semblance of a general conference and and allow it to continue in its democratic process as it always has right like we're on zoom right now (laughs) right there's gotta be there's never been more interconnectivity with or communication ability in in the history of ever since now Mm. Right. right. So right. like if you can't do a general conference in person because you're going to have, you know, 10,000 people in the same room and there's a pandemic. Yeah, no shit. That's a bad idea. You might want to cancel that event. But there are other ways to achieve the sort of right. democratic process. There, there's if I can find out who won Dancing with the Stars by the end of the fucking show, you can figure out what the people, the delegates in your conference want via yeah. a zoom meeting you know yeah, what I, I, mean? agree. <laughs> I agree with you i agree with you it just um, takes the will yeah. to do that you're right you're right and i think that this is sort of so so a lot of this stuff a lot of a lot of the the sort of state of exception sovereignty stuff um comes from a political theorist from the 20s by the name of carl schmidt listeners carl schmidt was this political theorist from germany in the 20s and was a nazi and he was he was a nazi he he yeah. So I always have to put an asterisk next to him whenever I talk about him. Remember, he was a member of the Nazi party. He absolutely was a Nazi, you know, like, <laughs> and, and uh, he, his work is um, difficult. You, you sort of, anybody who's in political science or actually in theology, you know, has to work with him because he, he wrote this little book called Political Theology, where, where he argues that political terms a begin as theological terms. They start out as these, as these theological terms, and then they become secularized. And so, sovereignty as a term begins as this term that we use to describe God, and then it, as it becomes secularized, it transitions into a term that we use in politics or that we use to describe individuals or governments or whatever. And and he would argue that all political terms are like that. But economy is another one that we don't always think about, but economy begins as this theological term to describe the outworking of God's grace and creation, the divine economy. Um, and in fact, he would say for capitalism, that that sense of it being theological never disappears, um, in particular with capitalism, because 
you have this notion of the invisible hand of the market, you know, is, is this, is this deeply theological way of thinking about the economy. The economy is somehow mysterious, you know, (laughs) and, and in, in this way, this is what he would argue. And, and kind of through this, he, he comes to his theory of sovereignty, which he would claim is, is rooted in God. It's rooted in this he himself is not a theologian, but but he would say it's rooted in our ideas of God. Well, what what does it mean to be God? Well, what it means to be God is you can intervene and decide what's going to happen. And and for Schmidt, like that is what the sovereign is. At the end of the day, democracies hide. This is Schmidt's argument. This is why Schmidt thought democracy was weak and, and ended up supporting Hitler. Um, democracies are weak, according to Schmidt, precisely because they are lumbering and non-nimble, right. and, and also they're liars. That's how Schmidt would put it. Schmidt would say, there's no such thing as democracy. Why? Because if, for demo- if democracy really was what it said it was, it would always be democratic, even if the barbarians are at the, de- are at the gates. Right. And when the barbarians are at the gates, the real ruler shows up. And, and that's sort of how Schmidt would I, argue it. I would argue that um, a democracy can, can, in its slow plotting way, um, allow for things like emergency powers, the president to make a decision, blah, 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 blah. We've, we've all agreed to that. Yeah, I agree. In a democratic way. Like, there are plans in place for, like, when shit hits fans, right? Like, and we've done that in a democratic way. Um, it, I, I think that democracies are not, they're only, they're only weak if people don't participate in them, right? Yeah, <laughs> like it, the, 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 the fundamental and tragic flaw of a democracy is it is the same as it is with Christianity. It requires like participation. It requires you to like work and, yeah. and be invested in it and, and, take care of it and do it right. And if you don't do that, if you just want to use it for your own means, it's, it's going to not be effective. It's the same way with Christianity, right? Yeah, like if you're just going to show up to, to church to, to let everybody know what a great person you are so that you feel better about yourself when you die, um, you're not going to really do any good in the world. And it's not really being a Christian. <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, Yeah. Yeah, I think you're right. And I and I don't think uh, like like I think Schmidt is worth reckoning with, but I don't think Schmidt is is necessarily right, uh, uh, right. You know, down the down all the way. But down. I mean, the, like, the fact that that viewpoint exists, the fact that that observation is out there. I mean, it causes some reflection. Even oh, if definitely. Don't, I don't agree with it, per se, but like I can see where he's coming from. I just sure. don't necessarily agree. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think that's the truth. For, I think I think Schmidt does a good job at, at articulating a lot of uh, a lot of examples, right? Like I think that I do think that churches in particular are susceptible to denominations. I mean, in particular now, are susceptible to Schmidt's critique because of you know just the the different power players in denominations and the way denominations work there there are actually far less checks and balances in denominations you know and denominations that attempt democracies are are to, to attempt to do things democratically are often at the mercy of you know 
uh, uh, the strongest wills in the room. Like, like there aren't right. there aren't neutral parties. Well, that, and it's also highly uh, adverse to to change. They are. They're you're right. exactly right. Church like, denominations so, are inherently conservative in a lot of ways. So, I mean, it, that that becomes difficult because whenever you're a member of a majority and everything's mm. working democratically to your liking, um, it's very easy to trumpet democracy. But yeah. whenever, whenever, like the the will of the group whenever the majority rules against something that you've held true for so long in your life. And now you're subjected to like going along with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, you very quickly want to run to an autocrat. <laughs> oh, <laughs> right? yeah, Somebody yeah. to make Protect those you. people go away, you know? Right. That's exactly right. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to be meeting with the dude about that. See what he thinks and see if he lets me, uh, lets me write. Well, that's exciting. When 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 are you you're meeting on a Tuesday? Yep. And then uh, I suppose we're gonna have to do our, another hookah chats on Wednesday, so I can find out. Yeah, I'd love to tell you about. It. I'd love to tell you about it. <laughs> yeah. My my hope is that so I also put in another paper proposal for another thing, and so my hope is to hear back from them next week as well, um, to see if they'll let me write a paper, you know, for a conference. And and this is all really helpful because this is this is the stuff that helps me get jobs, right? It helps me yeah. connect and right. get you know get out. I'm there. astounded at the the sheer volume of of work that you that you do with with school and two churches and like you're requesting to write papers. Like man, when I was in school, I wouldn't have requested <laughs> to write a paper for shit, man. I, the only way I wrote a paper was when I when I had to when I fucking had to. And then maybe, <laughs> and then maybe, right, right. No, I understand that. Yeah, th- this is just the game. It's just the academic game, right? You gotta, yeah. gotta get your name out there. You gotta, uh, they, they, they give you opportunity. Really, the, the requesting to write papers, the requesting to do work, is, is really what, what I'm saying is, it's a request to have an audience, right? You know, right. while, while I do this work, like, like it's really right. the answer, and, and, and that's, that's what gets me. You know, that's what is the potential to get me work or, or to right. have people know who I am and whatever. So that way, like, I don't know if, if I end up applying to a job in Sheboygan, you know, or something like, like so who knows where, you know, there's a chance that somebody was there listening to my paper, right. You know, as I presented it and they go, Oh yeah, I remember this guy, you know, this guy, he, he does this kind of work and that, that might be a good fit. That's, that's really the goal. Right. Um, and so I'm doing that, and uh, my semester starts on the 19th. And so I'm yeah. I'm back at it, back uh, reading every day and writing, and and uh, <laughs> I, I start I'm, I'm TAing a class called Faith and Doubt. Oh, um, so and I have about 30 undergrads that I'm, yeah, I might have to zoom in for that one. Yeah, you should you should come <laughs> down. You know, I think that'd be fun. I uh, the the Dr. Marsh, the guy I'm TAing for he he's probably going to let me lecture on one of the weeks you know as yeah. like a like like over a text that I know well and so he's going to probably let me lecture which I'm excited for and uh, yeah we're reading we're reading all the good stuff we're reading Nietzsche and right. uh, Freud and Feuerbach and 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 you know the the Hume you know like the yeah. like the real atheists like the the guys who like, <laughs> like the guys who like understand what it is they don't believe in rather right. than rather than what they assume people think right you know and, and then we're, we're reading a or couple they're just 
or just contrarians who just want to get a rise out of people so they're right right oppositional to whatever you say like no hume actually understands what you're talking about he just thinks you're full of shit <laughs> yeah yeah hume, hume gets it nietzsche was the son of a preacher nietzsche understood yeah. you know what it was he didn't believe in <laughs> feuerbach was not a dummy feuerbach understood that what he was trying to say but yeah. no I'm, I'm excited to see how the undergrads take to it and and uh what they think and so and dr marsh the guy i'm TAing for is a nice guy um but he's another one that like he's relatively well known so my hope is that i he like at the end he's like yeah. well, you work how about i offer you a job and i'll be like yeah all right i'll take a job whatever you say dr yeah. marsh so it's like it. opening a it's like a opening gig for uh, a, a popular local band like we did yesterday you know exactly. <laughs> like, exactly. like those guys are the well-known ones we're 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 decently well known but you know yeah. we got we got some new audience and that's exactly what you're doing you're just trying to get an opening gig <laughs> i'm just trying to get an opening gig i'm just trying to get an opening. i think you're right i think you're right and so yeah and so like the by way of wrap up at least on this end like i'm yeah. my class is next semester or I'm, I'm taking a class on interpretation theory which is i have a comprehensive exam in that so this is a mm -hmm. great class for that so that's like that's like philosophers and social theorists who think about how how it is we interpret texts, right? Um, and so we're reading different different people, Paul Ricoeur, Foucault, you know, just different different right. folks who who like Foucault's like I think we should interpret texts as texts of power and sexuality, you know, and everybody's like, <laughs> oh, they're all porn, and he's like, everything is porn, you know, and <laughs> and, uh, and and so I'm I'm taking that class. That should be good. I'm taking a class on modernity and theology and secularity, uh, which is going to be very hard. And I'll just, I'm just going to shrug and do it and hope for the best. Yeah. I'm taking a class on <laughs> evil and suffering yeah. with a professor who does a lot of Holocaust studies. And so that's going to be really cool. And then obviously the class on Tiang. Right. And so, and I'm Exciting. still a pastor. You got a lot of work. I have a lot, a lot of work. Yeah. I have a lot of work. We'll see how it goes. We'll see how it goes. Oh my! And but I have also uh, uh, watched Book of Boba Fett, and so you if have. you want, if you want, we can uh, we can wrap up now and do a quick bonus content. Sure, I, I'd love to tell you what I'm uh, what I've been watching. But go ahead. Oh, perfect! That could be all part of the 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 bonus content. I'd like it. Right, friends. Thanks for listening. It's been an episode of Hookah Chats with Matt and Ethan. We will see you next time. <laughs>